Welcome to Page One or Bust, your ultimate guide to getting on page one of search engines. In this episode, we talk to Nick Widella about digital transformation. He's the director of digital marketing and communications at Cummins, a century-old manufacturer that designs fuel engines. And just like a vehicle is useless without the right engine, Nick understands that a successful digital transformation needs the right marketing tools to drive your business to its ultimate destination. Today, you'll hear data-driven insights and time-saving advice you don't want to miss. But before we get into it, here's a brief word from today's sponsor. Page One or Bust is brought to you by Demand Jump. Get insights, drive outcomes with Demand Jump. Get started creating content that ranks at demandjump.com today. And now here are your co-hosts, Christopher Day and Ryan Brock. Welcome back to Page One or Bust. This is your host, Christopher Day, the CEO and co-founder of Demand Jump. And as always, joined by my co-host, Chief Content Officer here at Demand Jump, Ryan Brock. How's it going, Ryan? Yo, going well. It's a beautiful sunny day, apparently, according to Tove today, anyway. Absolutely. We're joined today by Nick Widella. We are so excited to have Nick with us. He is the Director of Digital Marketing at Cummins. How are you doing today, Dick? I'm doing good. Awesome. Well, we've got a great episode lined up here for everyone. Today, we're going to talk about marketing tools, the good, the bad, the ugly, plus how to stop being a tool chaser. Nobody wants to be a tool chaser. And the relationship between sales and marketing. And then also there's a, a fun buzzword that's been bouncing around the industry here over the last several years, and that's digital transformation. And so we might even get into a little bit about what it really truly means to execute on digital transformation. So without further ado, Nick, you've been at Cummins now for 10 years and a director for almost five years. So talk to us a little bit about the, the scope of your role. Yeah, so I'll take it back a second. So before I even joined Cummins, my first marketing role was at a company that did, all they did was like webinars. So they would host these webinars on various subjects. They'd bring in a subject expert that was kind of like the sponsor of the webinar. And my job was to do all of the marketing efforts to get as much registration for those webinars as possible because then essentially they would sell that list to the sponsored company. So I did that for a year and I think like even six months in, I'm like, oh, this can't be what marketing is. Like this can't be what I signed up for. (laughs) When when was this? What year? 2008 or nine. It's so funny. We had another guest on this show who said that that was like the golden year of the podcast that like you could just throw a podcast out there and they just come flocking, but that doesn't sound like it was your experience. I mean, people would attend we would do a boatload of them but it's just such a repetitive task being in that yeah. role it's like oh my god i'm like doing the same thing over and over this can't be what marketing is. this is a nightmare so like six yeah. months in i realized it started looking around and then like after about a year is when i ended up getting my first role at cummins as like a marketing specialist just you know bottom of the totem pole you know going to get you know designing flyers going to go pick them up at kinko's set up the trade <laughs> show you know all the grunt work And so I I did that. And I would say even like a couple of months into that role, I quickly noticed that there was almost no digital marketing being done. The website was managed by IT. So if you wanted to change a photo, you had to put in an IT request, social media. This is like 2010, 11. Social media was like just becoming a thing for businesses to look into. So we like had an account, but really didn't post. And so I kind of asked my boss at the time, can I play around with all this stuff? Like I'll still go to Kinko's, but can I... (laughs) And I uh, mess around with some of this digital stuff. And he was like, ah, sure, kid, go have fun. And so after a couple of months, some of it like started to work. Like we updated the website, started getting some requests uh, for quotes and and different leads for service events and started to make some money. And 
they were like, oh, there's something here. So I just slowly started to pivot my work to like more of that. And then, you know, a couple of years go by, you know, you start getting more attention from other folks at the company, other folks around the world that, that work that work at that company. Hey, help me with that. I need help with this. And just kind of kept doing that and kind of building my own reputation and kind of my own brand and within the company doing that all the way up to the point now where, you know, I, I lead the digital marketing operations team. And so we're responsible for all the tools, the technology, the processes, heavy into marketing strategy and all that fun stuff. Man, I, I'm i like already getting nostalgic for that period in time. It seems like everybody I talk to who is like a young digital marketing leader kind of came in around then and it was just the wild west and there were no rules and nobody knew anything and the ones who could just get creative and clever are the ones who figured it out and like I've had imposter syndrome for years right but it's just like well nobody else knew any of this either when I started so we all had to kind of learn it together and there's still just a lot of guessing and a lot of trying to figure it out and experimenting and failing and then trying something else you know even when there is some maturity to the industry, which I feel like we do have now, it's still always based on, but I reserve the right to be completely wrong tomorrow because everything might change overnight and we just don't know what's going to happen. What's in your, your toolkit today, Nick, when you, as you think about, you know, executing right yeah. on the business, what tools have worked well for you in various channels? And, you know, how do you think about, you know, there's what, 8,000 marketing tools out there that anybody can pick from today? <laughs> Talk to us a little bit about your, your tech stack. Yeah, and you're right. There's, yeah, there is 8,000 plus tools. And I feel like every day there's a new one. At least I get solicited for new ones all the time, right? That, that right. You're at Cummins. So you have an unlimited budget because you're enterprise. So you probably have <laughs> 7,500 yeah, 7, yeah, 7, yeah. of them, right? Yeah. I have a yeah. blank check and yeah, I buy them all. So yeah, it's tough because you got to figure out like, you know, what do you actually need? First of all, and the tool comes last with me, right? So you got to have a strategy, you got to have some objective and then the tool can fix whatever the problem is. But, you know, we have, you know, in total, like 20 tools out of the 8,000 that we could potentially have in, in our toolkit. And I think sometimes, you know, the specific tool, it's, there, there's a lot of tools that like uh, do the same thing more or less. Right. Everyone has a value proposition yep. of why they're slightly different. But if you think about like asset management or like a dam, OK, there's dozens of them. They basically do the same thing more or less. Some have some pros and cons compared to each other, but they can store documents. They can tag them. You can find them. Right. Yep. So when I think about the tools, we look for three things in, in particular. So something that can give us like consumer insights or information that we otherwise don't already have as a company, something that can help us orchestrate or automate the various tactics. So ideally something omni-channel, again, some sort of marketing automation platform. And then a third being something that can help harmonize and consolidate and visualize all of the marketing or sales data that, that we're generating. Have you ever had any experiences where you, you find a really great tool and maybe the tool thinks it belongs in one of those categories, but it belongs in the other, or you try to use it one way, but it really, you know, like I've seen a lot of things that are trying to be automated right now that like the tools aren't really ready for that. So they're better as like execution tools, but they're pivoted as or they're presented as automation tools. Do you ever see any like cross wires there out there in terms of positioning? Yeah, I've seen a lot. I've seen it more in the account-based marketing space. So there'll be, there's a lot of tools that, you know, they'll say we're an account-based marketing tool. And then we really dig 
dig into it when they explain what it does. It's either more of like a DMP, like a data platform, or it's more of like a Marketo automation thing. And it kind of does both, not well, but a little bit of both. And so then you end up questioning like, well, why don't I just get two other tools and I can accomplish uh, what I really need to do full on? So I think that's where I've seen it the most. But yeah, there's probably tons more of examples of, of things like that. You, you talked in the past a little bit about like data alone, kind of just building on that, like data alone doesn't in of itself help form strategy. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, so if I think about, you got to have some sort of an objective or a goal or some skeleton of a strategy, even before there's any data or analytics in play. You got to have, the company has to have an objective. There's got to be something that you want to do. You got to have somewhat of an idea who your customer is, somewhat of an idea of what you want them to do and what you're trying to gain at the end of the day. And then I think the data can kind of come in as a layer on top of that to help kind of prove or disprove some of your thoughts or theories. But again, just having a bunch of data is pretty useless unless you have a way to turn it into insights. The analogy I'll use is if you just dumped a hundred thousand Lego pieces on the floor in a room and said, all right, go build a castle. Well, I could build a castle with five pieces. I could build a castle with all 100,000 pieces. They're both technically a castle, but one's completely different than the other. Insights is if you had instructions on how to use X amount of pieces to build something. I think that's the gap that a lot of companies face is they do generate a lot of data. They have it like it's all on the table and they think, all right, we got it. Now we can do better, make more decisions. But then they're like, oh, man, I don't know how to translate this into an actionable next step. So really, yeah, the insights is the key. Yeah. Yeah. That having that instruction book right next to that pile of Legos helps you figure out, okay, I should start with, these are the two most important pieces I should start with. I'm going to snap those together. And now I'm going to go to the next step. I'm going to snap these pieces together. I think that's a great, it, it's a, it's maybe one of the best analogies I've heard so far. I love it. It's very, it's, it's like a step up from your standard analogy, Tove. It's the same idea, right? Like Tove likes to talk about, we, Demand Jump is an insights tool, right? So we talk about, you know, certain SEO tools, they'll give you data. That's like having a, an atlas or a map. And we're trying to be Google. Google Maps. Like we're trying to not just show you what's out there, but how to get to where you want to go. Both very valid metaphors, but I, I love the Lego one. It's just beautiful. How, how do you think about, Nick, the relationship between sales and marketing, right? And historically, those two disciplines kind of had to work somewhat in a silo. And now, you know, over the past, you know, let's say, I don't know, inside the last 10 years, it's easier to try to work in concert, right? To get sales and marketing kind of working together and be able to assemble that data to work more efficiently together. How, how, how do you think about that? How have you navigated the, the relationship between bringing sales and marketing closer together? Yeah, I think technology has helped a lot. If you think way back, you know, in the day, you know, you had sales teams essentially cold calling customers. Then parallel to that, you had, you know, marketers sending direct mail or going to trade shows. And those, they were like passing ships in the night. There really was no way to connect those activities together at all. But now with digital, you know, you could have salespeople sharing content on LinkedIn, for example, to customers uh, of theirs and marketing can see that data and then marketing can also run ads on LinkedIn and you can start to connect those dots and really work, you know, hand in hand. And so the the technology kind of enabled that. But I think companies have started to really look at the total customer experience and realizing that, okay, a customer is engaging with salespeople. They're also engaging with marketing content. They're also engaging with, you know, maybe if you have a service arm, they're engaging with, you know, someone behind the counter. They're they're engaging with your customer help support, customer care center. And all of them are kind of evenly weighted in that that experience and representing the brand and whatever the case may be. So 
I think companies are looking at it that way. And, you know, the smarter ones are, are ensuring that those teams, you know, not just marketing and sales, but like all four of those groups are really collaborating, that they all share a common North Star of w- what they're trying to accomplish and where they're trying to get with their customer. Everyone kind of has their component and they can kind of pass the baton where needed as they're doing their work. And so I think if you get smart, and again, that's back to the strategy piece, like if you're aligned on that strategy, you know, the technology helps enable it, but you got to get alignment at the top and not just have marketing doing things, throwing it over the fence to sales. Maybe they throw some stuff back over the fence. That, that fence needs to be gone. It just needs to be two groups, again, going hand in hand to accomplish whatever the objective. So let's talk about that in the lens of SEO then specifically. Page one or bust, baby, right? So <laughs> if any marketing tactic has traditionally been, any digital marketing tactic, I should say, has traditionally been a black box it's SEO, right? It's just like the, it's the mystery space. It's the, you know, someone's an Oz behind the curtain pulling strings and you hope they're right and you can trust them. So, I, you know, I would imagine for a lot of organizations connecting um, and aligning like that tactic with a sales strategy, for example, maybe is the biggest leap to make. Like, how do you get from, we don't even know why this works or what works to this is actually contributing in a meaningful way to our, our pipeline and our funnel, right? Maybe the best way to, to explore this is to just ask you, like, how has SEO changed uh, during your tenure at Cummins? Because you've been there for a while. And as long as you've had any sort of an insight into that, what is how has that black box evolved? And, and what are you guys doing now? Is it aligning with your sales process? Is it finding that same, like, in-step, jiving sort of energy? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. I mean, if you think about, you know, back in the day, again, back when they, you know, what they call it, like keyword stuffing, right? Like you would put (laughs) meta tags of whatever you wanted. It was the content you had on the page was almost irrelevant. You could trick the search engine for you to populate on the first page for literally whatever you wanted. I remember teaching a group of like marketers once the alt text on your image. Don't worry about it. Just stuff it full of keywords. Like, yeah, which is that was, but that was everyone did that. That was like, I just want that. It wasn't the right traffic, but you got traffic. And so, again, that was back to what we said about like just messing around and experimenting. Like someone noticed that worked and they're like, let's just keep doing that. And then eventually they realize like, oh, this doesn't work. This is like the wrong well, traffic. Well, then Google said that's not well, – no, yes. bad. You're not supposed yeah. to be doing that. That's the other thing that is out of your control is you know Google will change its rules or whoever the, the main player in the space is uh, in the yep. future. You know, They set certain rules and they change their algorithms and then you're like, I don't know how they're judging what goes where <clears throat> it's kind of just like you, you you make some changes and you just pray it works there was no i mean 10 years ago and i mean there was no way to have a surefire like home run like this will work i still think there's not a misconception but a gap between uh tactics and an effort around seo and, and generating good organic content and getting the traffic from that comparative to you know running ads or doing some other paid effort i feel like a lot of companies are more likely to throw a million dollars at paid advertising, maybe even through Google, versus throw a million dollars at creating good organic content. And you yep. know the you know that million dollars and on the paid, as soon as the money stops, the faucet's turned off. It's temporary. Yep. But that content's an appreciating asset, right? It's an investment that you've yeah you own it. It's yours. We have articles and pages that were created 10, 15 years ago that still generate traffic to this day. And it's yeah. an investment we made a long time ago. And and so And even better, we've we found that like an article like that, like maybe may, okay, maybe 15 years later something gets out of date. You go in and you update it. We've found that the search engines love that. They're going to they're going to reward you for going in and make the difference. So, yeah, I mean that long-term approach is something that 
uh, a lot of marketers are a little bit too inks, too antsy, I think, to wait for and see what happens. Yeah, I agree. I, so I think it's just getting everyone to to really compare it to say, all right, well, if you had if you're spending X on this paid tactic or whatever the thing might be, what if you spent that on organic? And granted, you may not get the results tomorrow because, again, with the paid ads, I turn ads on today. I'll, I'll get clicks today or tomorrow. Right. Organic. OK, it may take some time, but it's going to come. It's going to ramp up and it's but it's going to stay up there somewhere it's gonna it's gonna might plateau but it's gonna stay pretty consistent it, it, it right it won't go to zero hardly ever or over a long period of time and so so getting people used to that and i think the other challenge that we used to see a lot you know you, i don't even know how i would say this but like everyone wants to rank for everything related to what their company does some depending on what you do as a company that might be near impossible or might not just make sense we you know we'd always get feedback of oh i searched for this and yeah, we're not showing up it's not but you got we do two hundred thousand things it's going to be tough <laughs> to rank for all of those you know tomorrow yeah. what's the priority and what do we really want to rank for and and, and all that so so there's a lot of I wish there was as much energy put into that at companies as there is put into, again, like paid advertising or even like an events team that does trade shows, right? You have a dozen people supporting an events team. You definitely don't have a dozen people supporting organic SEO content and driving pipeline, but you should. Um, I think yeah, that's I think why we think this whole pillar approach is the future because we're really changing the way that we are thinking as marketers about the value of search data. You know, it's not just a keyword that you can think about and, you know, average monthly search volume, but it's the world's intent. It's humanity's questions and, and deep yearnings and pain. And why, what better source of, of direction for a marketer is there than that, right? Yeah, I think what people are finding out that there's a lot of tools out there that focus on optimizing the data inside your four walls, right? And, and that's important. You know, how do we serve those customers that we already know? How do we serve them better, give them a better customer experience, that, that 360 degree, you know, view of the customer. There's this massive pot of gold that's sitting outside the four walls, right? All that data outside the four walls that the, you know, that a company can't see, touch and feel. And that's this whole world of SEO. And do you have any ability to look at that opportunity through, as, as you all just mentioned, right? Through the lens or through the eyes of the customer versus through the eyes of the company, that's where the magic happens. And as you mentioned earlier, right, talking about appreciating asset and if you're spending a million dollars on paid search, if you get that organic piece aligned to the customer journey through their eyes and their pain and what they're feeling and asking, you also see your paid efforts, even if you kept the, the same volume, your cost actually goes down by three to four X because you get rewarded for that organic alignment, which is really powerful, right? And then as a marketer, you can decide, you can, now you're playing chess, right? No more checkers are gone. Now you're playing chess and saying, gosh, where do I want to shift these pieces around? Do I want to go ahead and attack a new channel with some of that savings or keep the same level of spend and even up my volume more or put more into the appreciated asset of content? Like, then it puts you into a, a real position of power, right? On that go-to-market strategy for company. What just high level question on how you think about centralizing data and analysis to inform kind of all departments, within the company. Can you talk a little bit about that, which I, I kind of equate that to like digital transformation, really centralizing all of these disparate pieces of data to try to get other departments throughout the company more kind of all pulled on the same rope, which is really hard to manage. Any thoughts about that before we go into some quick hits? Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, the first thing is you got to have whatever that view is for your company. I mean, it might be all the way from <clears throat> starting at, okay, we, we acquired a prospect and you got all the nurturing and all the steps along the way and lead gen, and then it turns into a sales opportunity and it gets one lost and whatever happens to it. Like yep. just getting alignment on that vision 
and, and what metrics uh, numbers go there, then I think you can start to zoom into each one to say, okay, who's responsible for this one? Maybe one group and maybe multiple groups and kind of uh, taking ownership of that. And then you could dive deeper and say, okay, if I'm responsible for you know the prospect one, here's all the things I can do in the KPIs and the data I need to make sure like I'm fulfilling that bucket. And then there's another one that the sales team's responsible for. And then you look at any gaps and see, and that's usually where the transformation work comes in. The, the gaps is, oh, I can't see that data or I can't make that number better, you know, likely, because, you know, whether it's a technology gap hmm. or a process gap, that's where then you see these transformation projects come out where it's, okay, we need, whether it's a new tool, integrate existing tools, we have the right tools, but the wrong either people or process operating them. That's typically where those transformations projects come out of. And like I've always said, ideally, and like, I don't know if any company's ever had this happen, but ideally you would never have to have a transformation if you constantly just kind of keep up with things. Yeah. I think a lot yeah. of companies, whether it's a lack of investment or whatever, they, you know, they'll do some stuff, you know, 10 years ago, whatever, and then they kind of stop and they kind of get complacent with whatever the tools processes are. And then, you know, five, 10 years go by and they're like, oh my God, I'm so far behind. Now you have to transform. But if you just did yeah. a little bit every year, you would never really have to transform because you just kind of it's just like working out. Like you work out every day, eventually yeah, you'll yeah. be in shape and then you'll stay in shape. If you yeah. stop, you'll get fat and then you can start again, but like that's going to take forever to get back. And so it's just like, how do you keep that pace and momentum? And I think I could prevent a lot of this huge transformation work that's going on and is really costly typically and time consuming. Yeah. I love that. I think it's spot on. All right. Well, let's move into some quick hitters. Any marketing myths that you busted along the way that you want to share with any of our listeners? Oh, that's a good one. I mean, kind of back to the whole, again, like we talked about the SEO versus the paid stuff. I feel like the default is just, I'm going to pay, I'm going to get my traffic now, uh, and then I'm going to move on. And just the fact that's like the home run. And again, 10 years ago, maybe it, maybe it was. And then they're just stuck yeah. on that and trying to think long-term. And, and that that same investment could go much farther on, on some maybe more organic stuff. Instant yeah, gratification. Agree. It's a powerful force. <laughs> yeah, it's human nature. I mean, you yeah. want to be able to go to your boss and be like, look what I did in, like, in a short time yeah. and not have to say, uh, give me 18 months and then I'll show you the results if you're still around. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's the last thing you searched for? Uh, I, was, I bought a new uh, wireless access point for my house. And uh, I had issues connecting it. So I was looking up, which by the way, I couldn't find the information I was looking for. Nothing was showing up organically. I think I found some Reddit form or something that like where some guy did it and, and showed me. But like the website of the company had so basic troubleshooting to the point which is, well, I've done, I've, I know this. This isn't anything that I don't already know. Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah. And then it was just a bunch of irrelevant topics that Google was spitting out at me that I'm like, oh, I, this is not what I'm looking for. So it's a good example of fantastic. SEO failing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and back to what we were saying about the value of this search data to a business, not just to marketers, but to a whole business. If you're building a product, you can go out there and figure out why people are upset with the products they have right now. And then you answer that problem, both with the design of your product and with the way that you're marketing it and you're talking about it online. That synergy is beautiful. Whoever that company is, you should uh, give them a shout out sometime and let them know that they have some ground to cover. Well, that's the thing. I was looking for any company, even a different company that made access points. Like someone helped me with this. The brand of the product wasn't the problem. It was just a connection issue. I'm like, someone has to have had this problem before. And, you know, again, it was a nightmare to find it. I did read a stat recently that Reddit is quickly becoming a competitive search engine to Google just because of this user-generated content that oftentimes users – 
I mean, they're the ones who know what they need and they're the ones who are going to talk about what cares about them. So for a company to guess at that and produce, sometimes it's harder than for individual communities to spring up around something. So because of that user generated content, that's more likely to cover a wider base of use cases. It's going to be easier to go to like that product's subreddit and find an answer to a problem than it is to go to Google. A hundred percent agree. And even if they don't have the solution, you'll see everyone like what they tried and didn't work. So it just saves you a boatload of time. I, I, I totally agree with you on that. All right, Nick, last question for you. What are the top three marketing tools that you can't live without? Well, uh, so I'll shout you guys out. Demand Jump, right? Okay, so we got customer insights and the content piece for sure is something that we can't live without. Again, back to my three, like an automation system. I mean, we use Oracle, but you know, there's a ton of them out there, but like you, you need one. And then, uh, you know, something to harmonize and visualize your data. I mean, we use a Salesforce uh, Datarama platform. I'm sure, you know, Tableau, there's others out there, but those, those are the three. Like, if, again, if you only gave me three, uh, those are the three I'd pick. I think you could do some damage with that. That's awesome. How, Nick, how can people uh, find out more about you? Where can they where can they find out more about you and more about Cummins? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm on LinkedIn, Nick Widilla. There's probably not a lot of those. So <laughs> you could probably find me pretty easily <laughs> on there. And I don't really have anything. I don't have any, I don't have my own podcast. I'm not as cool as you guys yet. And the project's <laughs> going on. So, but yeah, you can, you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm pretty active on there posting. And, and uh, you know, if you, if you send me a message or you want to talk about anything related to, to marketing or technology, technology. I'm usually down for that. Love it. Thanks so much, Nick. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, guys. And thank you very much out there, everybody listening out there. This has been an awesome episode with Nick Widella at Cummins, the Director of Digital Marketing. And uh, until next time on Page One or Bust, have a great weekend. Page One or Bust is brought to you by Demand Jump. Know the exact content to create to increase first page rankings and drive outcomes with Demand Jump. Get started for free today at demandjump.com.